Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Find your seat unless, because Friday was Veterans Day, would you stand if you're a veteran or if you're active duty military, would you stand? I see some people here standing. My dad needs to stand. Thank you. We thank the Lord for your service. God bless America. Wow, a lot of people thank you, men and women who have served in the military. Now, I joked last week. Were you here last week? Do you remember what we talked about, church and politics? I almost got booed off the stage. I said, well, if you're not mad this week, come next week. We're going to talk about women in ministry, women in the church. And everybody booed me again. And I, it was a joke. And here we are today. And I hope, I, my thesis is this, as we talk through the title, if you want the title first, I'll give you the title, then the thesis. The title is Women in the Church, just the topic. The topic is the title, if you're taking notes. And my thesis is this, that as we are looking through the book of 1 Timothy, that's the book of the Bible that we are on, we come to this passage where it it gives just very blunt, uh, it says women don't have authority over a man and they must be quiet in the church. We're going to look at this passage and it's a sensitive passage. My thesis is that this sentence, this passage has been used to, to, to put down women and, and my hope, kind of part of the thesis, is two-part today. I hope to, at the same time, lift the word of God and lift the role of women in the world and in the church. That's my hope and my thesis, and we'll see if we can do that without making you too mad. Okay, let's start off with a story. Can I tell a story? kind of a story as to why this passage is so important. And then we will get to this text of scripture. We will read it and we will go through it and we will learn about context and and what's going on here where Paul would say this to Timothy. But here's the story. So this story goes back, uh, back in my day to when I was in high school. I had a couple different youth groups and a couple different youth pastors. And one of the youth pastors came into our youth group, uh, newly kind of hired to be the youth pastor. And he came fresh out of a college uh, and the church, if I said the name of the church and the pastor over the college and the church, many of you would probably recognize him. He came fresh out of this church that really held strongly to this doctrine of women must be silent in the church. In fact, the, the pastor over this church and college has gone on record saying, it says it right here in the Bible, women be silent in the church. And so period, paragraph over End of discussion, it's black and white. And so my youth pastor, when I was in high school, came fresh out of that school and he began to change some things about like the structure of leadership and women. And people got wind of this, like some of the students, some of the parents of those students got wind of that. And they're like, what's going on? There was kind of a meeting that was called and he shared like what he believed uh, fresh out of this school was that women uh, really didn't have a place of any sort of authority in the church and that women really should be silent in the church. And I remember like the hearing about like parents who weren't even Christians, but their kids were going to this youth group and parents were like, what's going on in this youth group? Like women can be CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. Women can be governors and generals and congresswomen. Why can't they lead a Bible study 
in a youth group. Like some like parents, some of the girls were really thrown off by this. And I remember like that whole year of this youth pastor over me and in leadership, I just kept like going back and asking and wondering like, how does this play out? Because I was, I was new to the evangelical church. Like I'm looking in and this youth pastor is saying women are to be silent in the church. And I'm just like, okay, so what's that mean? Like, do, like, I'm looking, I mean, not to be dumb, not to be like, like, like a smart aleck, but like it's women be silent in the church. And then I go to youth group and everybody's talking. Like, why aren't the women asked to be silent? Like, if you're, if that's what the passage says, like, why doesn't it, back in my day, uh, why, why isn't there a sign over our youth group door that says, please silence your pagers and, <laughs> I didn't say it. But, but that, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of being a smart aleck, not really, but, but asking, asking questions like, okay, if, if you really hold to women be silent in the church, well, why, are, why are the girls, the women allowed to talk? And he said, well, well, the answer to that was like, oh, they're, they're not speaking from the stage. And then I thought, well, well, what about we, we, in our youth group, it was quite large and it was a wonderful youth group. And, and, and I'm not throwing this youth pastor on the bus. He loved us. He loved kids. He loved the Lord. And he was a good youth pastor, but on this issue, he was really dogmatic, and he really caused a lot of tension, and, and I think, honestly, coming right out of this school, he was trying to figure things out as he went, and so some of the questions I had along these, you know, the months of being under his leadership was like, okay, so women can talk, uh, but, but not from the stage, but then I was like, but what about, I mean, we had some singers on the stage who were girls, and it was like, why, why are they allowed to sing? I'm mean, just trying to figure it out. Why are they allowed to sing? It's like, well... They're not like teaching the gospel or anything like that. They're just singing. It's like, okay. But then I thought, well, a couple months ago, we sent out this woman. She was a single woman and she had a heart for ministry and God really used her singleness to be a missionary. She had that place in her life. And we prayed for her and sent her out. She was one of the volunteers in the youth group. And we sent her out to be a missionary, to go preach the gospel, the good news. And I was like, wait, like why? She can't teach in here. But she could go out there and she could, like, this, this is someone, the youth pastor said, women are to be silent in the church. And then but it's like, well, you could go preach out there, but you can't preach in here. And then I was like, well, what if she succeeds in preaching the gospel and people come into believing and they have a little group? Is she then, because she's successful, supposed to step down? Like, I had these legitimate questions, I thought, to this youth pastor. And then I thought, well, okay, so, so, so then his kind of answer to that was, well, not from a stage, not from an organized gathering of people could a woman teach because of this passage that we're going to look at. And then I thought, well, you know, every week, just about every week, one of the volunteers, her name's Melody, she comes up and does the announcements. And sometimes she introduces you, sometimes she prays. Sometimes we get into like testimonies and she facilitates all that. So what about that? And he was like, well... You know, she's, she's not really just, she's not like pretty, like, I think he was honestly trying to find the line as he went as well, like trying to work this out. And he was like, well, she's not like preaching. But then lo and behold, there was this night, we had a youth group on Wednesday nights where he was sick and his wife preached. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like, how could, like, I'm trying to figure it out. Like in my mind, like, okay, you, we have this rule Went from this passage that we're going to look at, women be silent. So it's like, well, well what, what about this? What about that? How does it, I don't know. And maybe they're out there, but I personally, I don't know of any church that actually takes this 
literally. And you can correct me and say, oh, I know of a church somewhere that literally, the women have to be totally silent. Maybe they're, I, I personally have never seen that. So every church that I know of has to look at this passage and has to consider its context and, and for whatever reason ends up different denominations, different uh, uh, evangelical churches, different churches. They draw the line somewhere and where you draw it depends upon how you interpret and how you look at the context of this very sensitive verse, very sensitive set of verses. So with that story, I'm saying now that this is important stuff. I'm, I made some jokes and I was silly, but I realized that there's a sense, I, I realize that many of you are coming from different backgrounds in this room right now, listening to what I have to say. And some of you, you may at the end of the day kind of agree or disagree, but my hope is that you will leave here saying, we honored the word of God and we did honor women in this sermon of what I'm about to say. So with that seriousness, would you stand with me? Let's read together. Um, oh, I'll read it for us as you um, and all of us take to heart what is being said here by Paul to Timothy. And, and then we will then look at the context of what's going around here. So first Paul talks to the men, First Timothy 2. He says, therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. So whatever he had to say to the men, there was anger and there was disputing. And if you lift up holy hands in prayer, well, then you're not in a fighting stance. You're in a, you're in a prayerful stance. So whatever was going on, there was a context here. Paul is addressing them first and then to the women. And, and I apologize. Many of you women may be triggered by like you had some bad church, church experience about uh, what you were wearing and maybe somebody called you out and there's just feelings and just like you remember that and this is hard for you. This is a sensitive passage. Paul says to Timothy, I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, according, uh, excuse me, adorning themselves, not with elaborate hairstyles, your version might say braided hair or with gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. Verse 11, a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I think we would say, well, a man should as well. Like the kind of Jesus leadership and authority, everyone should learn under quietness and submission. And then here's the one sentence that, that really has triggered a lot of uh, context and churches uh, disagreeing and a lot of hurt. Verse 12, I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Christ, you are in our midst. And Lord, I pray that uh, you will be honored. Your, your word to us will be honored this morning, that, that women will be honored this morning, because Lord, you've created them. You've created um, all of us in this church. And, and Lord, I pray right now, may the meditations of my heart, my, may my words be holy, pleasing, and acceptable to you. Lord, you are our rock and our Redeemer, and so we praise you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people shouted, amen. amen, amen, you may be seated. So the passage we just read, it's, it's I think a lot of people uh, would say it's pretty clear, like Paul says to Timothy, I don't permit a woman to teach, to have authority over man, she must be quiet. So if that's in the Bible, and we hold the Bible seriously here at New Life Church, I hold it very seriously, why is it then, and some of you, this may be news to some of you, are like, what kind of church is this? Uh, why is it then that we have women on our staff? Uh, we just had Jenny Sue share from this 
stage. Uh, we just had my wife, Erica, lead worship. And we, we don't just call her a worship director. We call her a woman's pastor. New Life Church is eight congregations. We have something like almost 70. Can you believe this? 70 uh, uh, pastors on our staff. And of those 70, 22 of them are women. We call them women uh, pastors and they're shepherds and they're leaders. Uh, if this passage says, you know, don't assume, women don't assume authority over a man. You must be quiet. Then why do we... Uh, have women on our staff? Why do we? You might be asking this question. Um, some of you might know that one of our congregations, the New Life Chinese Church, is led by Rachel Chin. A woman is is in the head of that congregation. Then why? Like, how can you take the Bible seriously and have this position at New Life Church? Some of you might be wondering this question. Some of you just are here today, being like, "Yeah, why is that the case? How how can you?" You have women on staff and hold this passage. Well, let me now present to you. I have a three-point sermon where we will go about in different orders, uh, looking at this passage, looking at the context of the whole of Scripture, and then we will look specifically at this passage where Paul uh, is talking to Timothy about how churches should be run. So a three-point sermon. Are you excited about that? We've had two points. We've had one points. There was like a staple, a time in our history, New Life Manitou, where it, like a whole year I had three-point sermons. I was like, this is the best way to do it. And then I've, I've wandered from that. But now I'm back, at least for this morning, of a three-point. I'm just trying to lighten the mood a little bit. Everyone's looking at me, and I'm, whew, I wonder what you're thinking. And you're probably wondering what I'm thinking. Where are we going with all this? Point number one, uh, let's, uh, the interpretation of this passage from cultural context. So I'm going to talk big picture here about the cultural context of Paul's time, the cultural context of our time. Then we're going to talk about the whole Bible, and then we'll go specifically into this passage. So we're, kind of, we're going to go big picture here and then come back to uh, what this passage is about specifically. And then at the end of the sermon, I will go back to that story in my high school, uh, and it has a really good ending. It's, it's much later. Later, but a really good um, bow on the story, so to speak, uh, of coming back full. So I'll, I'll finish that story at the end of the sermon as well. So a lot to do. Uh, I feel like I have way too many notes. And, and so if I start skipping around, you're like, oh, getting confused. I just know that I'm, I'm trying up here. I'm trying. I'm trying. Okay. Um, so the first point is let's look at this passage and talk about the different cultures. And I am not, I am not, I am not saying that well, whatever the Bible says, we just need to mold it into our culture. We just need to bow down to, I am not, I am not, I am not saying that. Don't leave here saying, oh, Joe just says, you know, whatever the culture's doing, we just gotta, you know, be relevant and we need to bend scripture according to whatever I think or what culture, I am not, I am not, I am not saying that. What I am saying is that the culture in which Paul is writing this is very different than ours. Unfortunately, in this ancient world, Women were not educated, could not read or write. A lot of men couldn't read or write either. Back in this culture, unfortunately, in the ancient world, women were considered property. They were considered um, just less than. I mean, no voting, uh, no just no respect. Like there was a very different uh, secular culture at that time that the Bible 
comes into being, uh, Paul is writing at this time, compared to today where women are educated. Uh, it's, it's a completely different story. Women are, can read and write and have these roles in our society like governor and general and congresswoman and vice president and all of these. It's like this is unheard of in the ancient world and today it's quite norm. So in that, Paul is going to be addressing a certain situation, and I will get to that at the end of this sermon, but I believe he's addressing a certain situation where women were uh, distracting from the gospel and what church was supposed to be, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but it would be like this. Can I give you a silly analogy? Okay, promise me you won't get offended. Okay, well, some of you might get offended, but it's, I hope to, I'm not saying this. It's just the, what I thought of this morning because I have a middle school little boy and it's like, well, what if, here's the thing. What if I was to go on sabbatical? Every seven years, New Life Church pastors, we get sabbaticals. I got three more years because I just took one four years ago. But in three years, I go on a sabbatical and I'm off and away and I get an email from some, somebody in the church uh, saying, Hey, Joe, these middle school boys are running amok in the church service. They're loud. They're bringing Nerf guns. And while no one's looking, they're like shooting each other from across. And you're like, what? Was that just a Nerf bullet? Like what's going on in the church? And it's become such a problem that someone has emailed, somebody in the church has emailed me in my sabbatical. Joe, I know you're in sabbatical, but this is crazy. Every week, the middle school boys, it's like a little gang of kids and they're distracting and it's horrible. And they're shooting each other with Nerf guns. And the other day, a worship pastor got hit with a Nerf gun. And it's, it's like, what are we do, what would I say? I was like, well, get those little boys quiet and no more Nerf guns is probably what I would say, right? Right? Like quiet them down, no more Nerf guns. Now, what if like that email, like in like a hundred years was like found. It's like, look at the founding pastor of New Life Manitou wrote this horrible letter about little middle school boys being quiet and no Nerf guns allowed. Like, like why? This is so weird. Like, is, does he not like middle school boys? Why do they need to be quiet? And why doesn't he like Nerf guns? And so you're like, well, I guess, you know, you're, you're not allowed to have Nerf stuff in the church. Someone comes in with like a Nerf t-shirt and you're like, nope, go home and change. No Nerf stuff. Like it would be out. It'd be weird, right? It'd be out of like, what's the context for this pastor to be writing about middle school boys being quiet and no Nerf guns? Do you see where I'm going with this? It's, it's a weird analogy. And if you're offended, I apologize because I do realize this is a sensitive topic. But what, I, I, you have to beg and just wonder, like, why was Paul saying that? I mean, it's very specific. No braided hair? Women be, be quiet? Like, like, what's the context? We would all say context is important, right? Okay. So here's, so I'll come back to that in just a minute. Point number two is let's look at the whole Bible. Point number two is the interpretation of this passage, the passage we're looking at in, in Paul's writing to Timothy. The, the interpretation of this passage has to come from the, the breadth of Scripture context. As we look through the pages of both Old and New Testament, do we ever see a woman speaking? 
It's not a trick question. Do, is there ever a woman speaking in this book? Yes. Yes, many, many, many times. So it's like, well, well, well what's going on here where Paul's saying, be quiet, if, you know, we open up scripture and the very first woman, I have different paintings of all these, I have seven different women, we'll move pretty quickly here. Eve is created by God and it says that he creates them male and female in the image of God. Is just Adam created in the image of God? No, it says he created them male and female. They were the image of God. The next picture is of Miriam, of Moses's uh, sister, uh, Aaron's sister, Miriam, is one of the leaders of the Israelites as they escape out of Egypt. She, as the, when they, after they cross the Red Sea, that's her with the tambourine, she leads the people in worship and her song is recorded and becomes part of scripture. Pretty cool. She's known as a prophetess, someone who leads in prayer. The next woman, this, this picture is gonna disturb you. If it doesn't disturb you, it, it should. Uh, my son, Rowan, I was prepared, like, what is this? Uh, just hold on. It's in the Bible. Um, my son Rowan uh, saw this. I was preparing for my sermon. He came up and was like, well, that's not very nice. It was his. Uh, so this is a woman named Jael uh, who has, do you see what she has in her hand? A hammer and a tent peg. Do you know this story in scripture? It, she assassinates the, the uh, general of the Philistine army because the Philistines and the Israelites were at war. She tricks them to come in. He takes a nap and she, she assassinates him. And it's, she's commended as like this warrior. Uh, war, what's the warrior woman's name? Warrior, warrior, wonder woman, warrior princess. Thank you, but not thank you. Um, uh, and, and I always think like, here's a woman being commended for this act. And then I think like some, some men are like, you know, the women just need to be biblical women. <laughs> Amen. Next slide. Let's move right on. This is Deborah. She, do you know her? Like she's in the book of Judges. Before there was kings, they called them judges. And she is one of the leaders over all of God's people. And she's commended. She does a good job. She's also known as a prophetess. And she's like, whoa, that's interesting. Uh, so, so how, I mean, I'm, I'm going towards this direction thinking like, okay, what is Paul saying in this specific situation, because there's lots of women doing leadership and leading and doing things that are commended that, that you know, in this ancient world, only men were supposed to do. Uh, the next slide is of Mary holding baby Jesus in icon, iconography like this. In Eastern churches, Mary is always pointing to Jesus. She is the one who bears God into this world. And, and literally, like, I've never thought about it this way, but someone was like, hey, literally no one else in the history of all of humanity was as close to God as Mary was. Literally. Like, think about it. If Jesus is fully God, no one was as close to God as Mary was. Mary has a song that she sings in, in the beginning of one of the Gospels that becomes scripture. So she's not silent. She speaks. She prays. And she, her words end up being like one of the, the songs of the church, one of the wonder, it's a canticle of the church that has been passed down. She wasn't silent. She said something and it's been used and still to this day used in church services. Uh, this next one is of the Samaritan woman. Uh, there she is with Jesus in the middle. The, the well is in the shape of a cross because Jesus says, I am the living water. And he, she hears this message of who Jesus is. And then what does she do? John chapter four says she goes and tells 
her whole village. So that's kind of the next scene there uh, to the right. She's telling the whole village. And many people would say, isn't this then the first missionary? Like before the 12 are sent out, before the 72 are sent out, is this woman the first missionary? I guess it depends on how you look at it, but she's obviously not silent. She's proclaiming the good news. Finally, uh, maybe one of my favorite scenes in all of the Bible is the morning of the resurrection, Easter morning, where the book of uh, Mark says that they were on their way to the tomb. Mary, the mother of James, Mary Magdalene, and Salome were on their way to the tomb while it was still very dark, and they looked at each other and asked, who's going to roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? And when they looked up, they saw that the tomb, the, the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away, and they go in, and there's a white, uh, someone dressed in white robes on the right, and they're very afraid, and the angel says to them, don't be afraid. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen, and now go tell. This angel, by the Lord himself, is telling these women, go Tell, tell what? The good news that Jesus is risen. So we, once again, we, we have to ask, like, well, what's Paul doing here then in, in telling these women at Ephesus to be silent? A couple more things on this note. I, I think if you're taking notes, this is pretty important stuff because it's Paul himself. If you read uh, just for the, this ending of the book of Romans where Paul commends certain people and just kind of is talking shop about church and church people. It starts off with uh, Romans chapter 16, verse one. It says, commend our sister Phoebe, a deacon or deaconess. Like, whoa, whoa, is it, uh, Phoebe, our sister. Because sometimes people are like, well, maybe Phoebe was a boy's name. What? But it says sister, Phoebe, a deacon. Like, okay, She's a deacon in the church. And this is Paul, the same author with, with Timothy here, is, is, holds this woman as a deacon, gives her that title. And then in this same chapter says that uh, Priscilla is a co-worker with Paul. So, so a deacon, a co-worker, and then Junia. This is in, if you want to write it down, Romans 16, 7, you can go look at this. There is a woman named Junia who is listed with, it says, uh, my fellow prisoners. So she's a fellow prisoner with Paul because they were preaching the gospel who are outstanding among the apostles. So, so Paul is, is saying this woman, Phoebe, this woman, Junia, this woman, Priscilla, they have the roles of deacon, co-worker, and apostle. Wow, that's, so what's going on here, Paul? Why are you telling Timothy that women shouldn't have authority and to be silent? What in the world is going on? And so now we moved this sermon to the last point. Point number three is the interpretation from Paul's text and specific ministry context. What in the world was going on here? Well, here's, here's some guesses. Here's some really good guesses because it, it lines up so well with the book of Acts. It lines up so well with the rest of what Paul is saying. It lines up really well with what was going on in Ephesus at that time based upon the history that we have of Ephesus. And there's a lot of history because Paul is writing to Timothy who is in Ephesus and Timothy's overseeing these churches. And in Ephesus, we have a lot of writing about Ephesus because it was the second largest city in the Roman Empire at the time. It's not some small dunk podunk little town. This is like a capital of Asia Minor. This is Ephesus, the, the capital, you know, and, uh, of that region, that area. And in this capital of this region, there was this huge temple, 
huge, like football size. Like this temple for Artemis is one of the ancient seven seven wonders of the world, like this huge thing. And people would go to worship Artemis. Artemis is the goddess of fertility. Did I hear that? I heard different things. It's hard to hear. Yes, good job. Fertility. And so you would visit Artemis uh, as a woman if you had a baby and you wanted to give uh, childbirth and not, uh, I mean, we, we kind of take it for granted. The average life expectancy of a woman in the United States today uh, is 80.2. Uh, the average life expectancy of women in this ancient world, in Ephesus, for instance, because of how dangerous childbirth was, the average life expectancy, are you ready for this? Was 30, like 30 years. Like we, women, like we say 80 years old is what the average life expectancy of a woman in the United States. Then it was 30. So all women died during childbirth without medical procedures that we have now and epidurals and all surgery and surgeons and what what is able, you know, breached babies. Like that would just be a death sentence for a mom in the ancient world, unfortunately. And because of that, there was a lot of fear with giving birth. And so in fear, people do very superstitious, very religious things. People went to Artemis to be saved from this childbearing, you know, the death sentence that, that women had. Men were going to Artemis as well. I won't say much about this, but, but there was temple prostitutes in this huge arena temple for Artemis and men could pay for things and people would go. It was the center of town. In fact, when uh, Paul goes to Ephesus, in the book of Acts, because the book of Acts traces Paul's ministry. We see that when Paul goes there, there's a riot that takes place because people are following the gospel and no longer worshiping Artemis. And so there's a riot. People say, long live, what do they say? Great is Artemis. There's a riot. People think, oh, they're going to stop selling the little statues. And all these people that work the silver are going to be out of jobs. The whole city's in an uproar because the message of Jesus. All this to say, this goddess Artemis and her priestesses, And the prostitutes that were in this place was a huge part of this culture in Ephesus. And what we even have more of is some documents written around this time. I have the name up here, but I'm not going to try to pronounce it. It'd be silly. Uh, I'd mispronounce it. But we have uh, descriptions of what the goddesses, uh, sorry, what the priestesses looked like that went to worship Artemis and what the temple prostitutes looked like. And one of the things that, that, keeps coming up is this braided hair. So then you're like, oh, is that why then Paul is saying, don't don't have braided hair in church service? He's basically saying, don't show up looking like one of these temple priestesses or prostitutes. And could it also be that in this context, there is some huge disillusionments and disasters going on in the congregation where these women are teaching some of Artemis's uh, like there was this idea that Eve didn't fall in the fall of humanity, but she was like a- awakened to something and-, and Artemis showed Eve like some secret divine knowledge. Like w- that was creeping into the church. And so then Paul says these words, like in the Greek he uses as I do not permit a woman to teach would be a, a present tense. I do not permit, like right now. There there is a way in the Greek to very easily say, I do not ever permit with the tense. But here's Paul is saying, it's like for for this time, for right now, for what's going on, in like things are 
things are not going well. Like Paul in the first chapter told Timothy, there's a lot of false doctrine going on. And Paul is trying to tell Timothy, we got to clear this up. And another issue that's going on is women are coming in dressed not appropriate for church, like almost like they're temple prostitutes. Like that needs to be nipped. And this theology that's coming out of Artemis, that needs to be nipped. And so for right now, I do not permit a woman to teach and just... For now, just be quiet. Like there, there, there's a lot going on here. And we need to figure this out. That's how, that's how I see what's going on here with the context of all of scripture. Like taking this one, it's, it's just a ver- like a sentence and, and making a whole doctrine. And then like, I'm just thinking about like my youth pastor who was really working through and trying to figure out like, how do, how do we do ministry fresh out of this college and he's, he's like making this rule, women are to be silent. And then like, how does this look? What does this look like? And like, I remember in that youth group, some of my friends who were girls were like, well, forget this. Like, like we're, we're going to leave. We're going to, and at my high school, that was really the only choice for youth groups. And so by them leaving the youth group, they were really leaving the church. And because now like Facebook has made it easy to, to keep up with people, uh, I see that and some of them had left the church for good. And they left, it's like, man. And I was grieving about that. And um, with Facebook, catching up with my um, youth pastor from 20-something years ago, uh, just about two years ago, he came to our house in Manitou, and we chit-chatted and caught up on old times. And he was like, oh, let's, let's go out to eat too. And so like two days later, we went out to eat. We were eating burgers. And he said, I really wanted to tell you something. And with tears in his eyes, he said, you know, my, my theology has changed over years. And I, I think about that one sentence I took and I presented it. And I think about all those young girls who are in high school that ended up leaving and they're so offended. And so he's with tears in his eyes. Would, would you forgive me for, for like, I don't know why I did that. And I don't know why I, I, I just brought that in. And I, you know, the school was teaching it so far and it seemed so easy, like oh, yeah, a black and white issue. And then when it came to de- got down to like, well, who's going to do the announcements? Who's breaches when I'm sick? It just became so muddled and I got more dogmatic and, and, and it just, I'm sorry. And with tears in my eyes, I was like, yeah, I, you know, it, it was, it was a big deal even for me as, as a young man, like seeing my friends torn up about this and those arguments and dissensions and, and that should not be. So I want to conclude this service um, in a way where uh, we bless. And, and we, uh, on, on behalf of pastors, as a pastor myself and church leadership, I apologize. We're going to sing one last song at the end of the service. And it's the prayer of confession. We, we've messed up. Like I've messed up in church as a leader, as a congregant. Like we've all fallen short. And may we all run to the feet of Jesus. You know where we find women in a lot of the Gospels? Like, we find them at the feet of Jesus. We find men at the feet of Jesus, and that's a very good place. That's a very safe place to be at the feet of Jesus. So would you stand with me? I'm going to pray a blessing over you. And Lord, right now we, we confess that we've, we've put people down in, in, in church and in, in ministry in this world Lord, we've, we've shut people's gifts down, whether they're women or men, and whether we're in this room, and we've felt shut down or belittled or, or corrected in a rude way in the context of church. Lord, would you forgive us? Would you free us from these mistakes, from these burdens, from these things that we've done? Lord, we're going to sing to you uh, and confess this. 
And Lord, right now, I pray over all the women in here. If you're a woman and you're comfortable, would you open your hands just to receive this blessing? Lord, on behalf of this congregation, we, we pray blessings on, on every woman that's in here. Lord, we ask you to increase their gifts or to speak to them. Allow gifts of prophecy. Allow gifts of leadership. Allow gifts, Lord, as you see fit in each and every one of these women's lives that they may be lifted, that this holy place of church would be a place where we lift them up and they're lifted to you and they, they receive your leadership and your authority, your shepherding, Lord. We pray blessings now on every one of us in here. May this be a holy place, Lord, where you are lifted high and where we can now come to you, to your table of communion. So Lord, we worship you and we praise you. Brett's gonna lead us to the table.